Well, God, we thank you for these testimonies of hope and of healing. We can carry burdens so long we can't hardly imagine what life would be like to unload that wagon, to leave that behind, to be free in relationships because you've set us free. We thank you for that hope that today is ours because of Jesus and because of the testimonies of those lives he's already touched. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. Amen. John Baker is the writer of the book that's available in the back. It's called Life's Healing Choices, and uh, there's much more detail in that book. As you might surmise, this is not a uh, quick process, but it's a powerful one. Millions and millions of people have taken the 12 steps or exercised these eight choices, and these eight choices did not come from somebody on a weekend because they had a book they wanted to write to make a profit. Uh, these eight choices are embedded in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. It's amazing to me how those 12 steps and those Beatitudes uh, connect, reflect one another. Uh, this isn't just somebody's idea. This is God's idea. And uh, John Baker is the guy who happened to write the book and to put that together. And he, he also collects... Um, bulletin bloopers he works at a church in california uh and the, the bulletin bloopers have a way of compounding themselves you know you try to correct it and you only make it worse um for instance there was this one that said uh, the church will host an evening of fine dining super entertainment and gracious hostility uh, of course it was meant to say uh hospitality so the next week they corrected it in the bulletin the church will host an evening of fine dining, super entertainment, and gracious hospitality. Sorry, folks. We are a loving church, not a hostile one. We love hurting people. <laughs> and then the pastor got up hoping to get past it and went on just with the next announcements. He said, I just have one more announcement for this morning. The peacekeepers meeting scheduled for this afternoon has been canceled due to conflict. Sometimes it's better just to let dead dogs lie. You know what I mean? But if, if, if those issues in the past are still a burden that you're carrying today, if they're, if they're like a, a piece of furniture in the room that you keep working around even though it's not there, uh, th then perhaps you too or someone like many of us who struggle with hurts and habits and hang-ups and the promises of healing in the scriptures need to be more than just platitudes. They need to be something you can count on. Something that you can trust the Lord to do in your own life. Today we're going to talk just a little bit about this next healing choice, which is choosing relationship, or maybe more accurately entitled, choosing relationship repair. If we've got hurts, habits, and hang-ups, chances are... Those are things that developed in relationships, and if we're to offload those, if we're to become free of those, then relationship repair in some means is in order for us to be free to fully live into the relationships that we have today. In the past several steps, the last several healing choices, we've really been talking about looking inward and getting free on the inside, but today we take a shift towards 
finding that release on the inside and applying it on the outside. Uh, repairing relationships as best we can and as much as uh, capable for us. So there's two sides to this, maybe two directions that this usually takes. One is to forgive those who have hurt us. Forgiveness. And the other direction is uh, to make amends to those that we've hurt. And both of those are, are clearly uh, the statements of the Beatitudes. You'll find those in your worship bulletin today on the back. Those Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 7. Happy are those who are merciful to others, who practice forgiveness. Happy are those who work for peace, the peacemakers, those who do the work of making amends. So if you have those uh, with you today, if, if, you're, if you're a fill-in-the-blanker, I, I, I know you, it drives you crazy to miss a blank. So here's the first one. Uh, God, why should we forgive? Why not just forget about the bloopers and move on? There's three reasons to forgive, at least three. The first one I'd like to share is simply this, that God has forgiven me. God's forgiven us. And he meant that flow of grace not to stop with us, but actually to become a characterization of us. That we, in becoming forgivers, actually become like the God who has forgiven us. God has forgiven me. God will never ask you to forgive someone else more than he has already forgiven you. God will never ask you to forgive another and it be a cost that is more than the cost that he has already paid to forgive you. And God calls us to it. In Matthew 18, Jesus talks about forgiveness and he concludes a parable with this sentiment, with this statement, uh, forgive your brother from the heart. If, if we accept the Lord's forgiveness and, and relish in that and then don't become a person who can forgive others, Jesus actually uses a parable of a man who's owed a debt that's beyond his life savings, beyond what you could accumulate in a life. And yet his, his, his landlord, his uh, 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 creditor forgives him of that huge debt. And then that fellow goes out, and now that he's free, how does he express his freedom? He goes out and starts buttonholing all the guys that owe him 50 bucks from last week's poker game. Now, that's a Buzz Kirk paraphrase, but that's basically what's happening. And he says, how, how, how would the creditor respond to that? Having shown such incredible grace that this guy then is so ungracious? Are you kidding me? He would have this guy rounded up and thrown in debtor's prison. He says, so would my heavenly father do to you who have no more grace than others. In fact, that's actually in the scriptures. And it's a haunting thing. It's, it, it, I, I've, I've often, as a pastor, tried to figure out a way to work around it. It just stops me so stone cold. In my, have you ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? You did this morning. Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. Are you serious about that? Well, whether you are or not, God is. God, after giving us that prayer in Matthew, goes on to say, and if you do not forgive those who sin against you, neither will your Father forgive you in heaven. Now, that, that is a scary, scary prospect. He's definitely trying to get our attention. It's so easy, so easy to live with resentment and to live with a lack of forgiveness, to live with justifiable resentment justifiable resentment people have done you wrong 
And nobody's got an argument with that, especially not God. God sees that. To forgive them doesn't say that it's right. To forgive them releases you, sets you free. And God wants you free. He's serious about this. He wants us to forgive those who have wounded us and to forgive them from the heart because the heart is where we carry uh, that connection and that load. Second blank. Resentment does not work. It's just not helpful. In, in fact, some have called it emotional suicide. Here's what resentment's like. Okay, Here's a little picture for you. Resentment's like uh, somebody coming and stuffing a huge boulder in your pocket and then pushing you off the pontoon boat. Okay? And now you're in the water trying to tread water, but that rock is just taking you down. Right? But you don't want to let go of the rock, see? Because it's argument conclusive that you got pushed. <laughs> Think about that. We hang on to those resentments. I think sometimes in our imaginations, imagining a reckoning where we are the judge. And folks, that is an imagination. There is a reckoning that's coming. And part of our healing is turning over those kind of issues to the one who is the judge. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And that's why he says, so far as it depends upon you, live at peace with others. You don't, you don't have to carry that load. You're playing God again. Let that go. And you'll find yourself released. You let go of that rock and it'll be you that bobs to the surface. Drop the rock. Resentment simply does not work. You heard it. It cannot change the past. Resentment cannot change the problem. And resentment does not change the person that hurts you. But sometimes it's hard to forgive. And one of the reasons that it's sometimes hard to forgive is that we have not fully received forgiveness ourselves. We know it's there. We, we've heard about it, but... We've not really let it release us. And if, if we haven't received the humbling, overflowing grace of, of full forgiveness from our Lord, it's hard not to hold everybody else accountable too. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But that doesn't mean that God is hoping to somehow wipe out that person that hurts you either. God doesn't say, you know, you don't have to be angry with them because I'm, I'm going to wipe them out. Now, it's true. It's as true for us as it tr is it's true for anyone else that we will either, God is a just God, and we will either suffer the consequences of that justice on our own or we will accept the gift of forgiveness where that consequence has already been paid for us. Crucify him. Crucify her. And they did. And he's paid the price. And he's paid it in full. And if we are one who has received that great gift, how can we be ones that withhold it from others? It only hurts us. Resentment does not work. Why forgive? Because 
I need forgiveness in the future. We've talked about that. The sobering reality of praying Sunday after Sunday, forgive me, Lord, as I forgive those who trespass against me. There are three steps to forgiveness. The first is, I reveal my hurt. I reveal my hurt. It doesn't do any good to repress it, to ignore it, to minimize it. We heard that in the testimony. If we're going to come to closure, it starts with disclosure. Facing it. Acknowledging it. And, and if it's forgiveness, that may even mean revealing that hurt to one who may not even realize or acknowledge that they've hurt you. Because the second step is, I release the offender. I release the offender. How often should we forgive, Lord? As much as the other Pharisees say we do? The toughest ones among them say that you must forgive seven times. And Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. That was a long while. I couldn't even count to 490 or whatever that comes to. This is not intended to be counted. What Jesus is saying is it's much better for you to just have a Teflon-coated, I forgive from the get-go kind of attitude. Otherwise, those resentments stick and they weigh you down. A predisposition to forgive, to keep relationships clear of conflict, uh, resolved in their issues, is how Christ wants us to live. I release the offender. Keep your load light. Now that doesn't mean that we invite abuse. That doesn't mean that we don't practice life-giving boundaries for ourselves and for others. But it does mean that I release the offender. And in some cases, that's impossible to do. In some cases, that person that hurt us, we could no longer make contact. In some cases, that person who hurt us may have already passed on. How, how do you release those offenders? Well, I think it's important for yourself that you do it. And, and remember that when you release these people, by definition, they've done nothing to deserve it. They, they may not have apologized. They may not have acknowledged it. They may have hid it. They may have lied about it. They may have gone on as if it didn't matter. But you see, that's the nature of the beatitude. Blessed are they, happy are they, who are merciful. If they deserved it, it wouldn't require mercy. Just justice. Just good manners. But Christ calls us to be merciful. And that's no small thing. If, if that's a person that you can't make contact with, then there are other ways still to unload that kind of difficulty. One is the empty chair technique. Sit down with a friend, put an empty chair between you, and in the hearing of another who can understand and take that as a complete confidence and is interested in your healing, pour out your forgiveness to that person as if they were in that chair. It's a, I've done that, and it was a huge... Uh, I'd done it in my head many times. But when a counselor sat down with me and put that person that had so wounded me in that chair, at least in my mind's eye, I started just for the sake of an academic exercise to, okay, you know, yeah, sure. I'll humor you. 
I started with a few things, and then a few things became a paragraph, and then a trickle became a torrent, which became a flood. And I left a huge weight behind in the tears of that carpet. You don't necessarily have to confront that person. You can do it by simply talking to an empty chair. You can do it with a, a letter that you write out. Sometimes our, our thoughts untangle themselves when, through the tongue and through the tips of our fingers when we write it out. You hear me? Write it out. Out. Writing it can be a way of externalizing it, of, 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 of letting it go. It's so good to process all that with a, with a listener, if not a professional counselor, then a proven friend. But the important part is to come to release the offender. And when you release that offender, forgiveness is the gift that you give another and find out that it's yourself that is set free. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not happy or, or, or proud of the fact that, that I even remember this movie. But back in the days when I was less discerning, uh, I, I, I watched a movie called uh, uh, Vacation. Any of you remember that movie, Chevy Chase? It's Vacation. And especially on Mother's Day, this is absolutely horrible to talk about. But remember, he was, so, he was so intent on having the perfect vacation that when Grandma died in the back seat, he would not stop. Do you remember this? Grandma passes away. And he is so intent on having the perfect vacation. Sometimes we are so intent on having the perfect life that we won't deal with what we're carrying in the back seat. Do you remember that? Grandma tied onto the top of the, uh, of the, of the uh, station wagon. It was horrible. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. But, but, but that, that's the case. Sometimes when we try to defend our lives from all this stuff, we end up not dealing with it. We end up not loading, uh, offloading it. And I, I don't remember the aroma of the car after several days on this vacation, but you can imagine... And, and, and most of us go through life with stuff in the back seat. And others around us get close enough and they go, what is that? <laughs> nothing, nothing. We're having a great vacation. You know? But if we carry this stuff, it has a way of becoming toxic, of poisoning our soul, of always being there. And we, we end up unintentionally wounding and cheating others in relationships as we make room for that which we should have dealt with long ago. I reveal my hurt. I release the offender. I replace my hurt with God's peace. That's how it happens when you say, okay, Lord, I give them to you. Vengeance is yours. It's not mine. And in that moment of turning that over to the Lord... God starts to displace our anger with His peace. It's our choice, really. We're not a victim to let resentment rule our hearts. Resentment can rule our hearts. Or we can trade it for God's peace. That pain is unnecessary. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. It's a choice. It's your choice. I love that picture, don't you? 
Some of you are wondering right now, why on earth would I want to do this? It's about like that penguin. Doesn't he know that this can bite him? You know? But I'm here to tell you the release, the healing, the blessing it will be to you and to others when you offload the roots of that and all that's become tied to it, the hurts, the habits, and the hang-ups through the years. What about the relationship where it's not something where you've been hurt, but it was a relationship in which others hurt you? That's making amends. That's becoming a peacemaker. The scriptures have to actually say if you're in the temple and you're giving your gift to God and there you remember that someone has something against you, go and be a peacemaker. Go and make it right with them and then return and accept the peace that's yours in that offering to the Lord. How do you make amends? Here's how. You make a list of people I have harmed and how. A list of people I have harmed and, and what you did. I, I was in uh, uh, the office the other day and I said, Terry, you know, I, I'm working through this in my own heart. You know, that's a difficult thing. You prepare a sermon, you've got to be honest with it before you get to share it with anybody else, I think. And I said, you know, I, I'm having a hard time thinking of people I hurt. Denial. <laughs> maybe, maybe these questions will help you as they did me. Is there anyone to whom you owe a debt that you have not repaid and has not been forgiven? A friend, a family member, a business. Is there anyone you've broken a promise to? Is there anyone you're guilty of controlling or manipulating? A spouse, a child, a brother, an employee, a friend. Is there anyone you are overly possessive of? Is there anyone you are hypercritical of? Anyone you have verbally, emotionally, or physically been abusive to? Is there anyone you have not appreciated paid proper attention to? Have you forgotten a child's birthday, an anniversary? Is there anyone you've been unfaithful to? Have you ever lied to anyone? Now in the book, they put it so forcefully as to say, if you go through those questions, and that's enough to get you started, if you go through those questions and you still do not have anyone on your list, go back to the choice which began this whole episode, choice number one, and start all over again. <laughs> Why? Because you're probably in denial. And it's a healing and freeing thing. Even if you have made peace with those things in the past, to just walk through your life with the cleanser walking through it with you. With Christ saying, for every one of those things that come up, I'm strong enough to forgive that. I can help you overcome that. We can make that right. So that there's nothing under the rug, nothing that's haunting you from the shadows, nothing that uh, needs to be hid. In fact, I think that's the nature of what's being expressed when it says, do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. 
If it is possible, so long as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That, that's a strange sort of phrase. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. That doesn't mean that God's encouraging us to become a people pleaser or for us to announce or broadcast all these burdens and difficulties from the past necessarily. But it does mean that he wants us to make such peace with them that we no longer feel like we have to hide. That it's right in the eyes of everybody. That you're no longer kidding yourself by keeping yourself from the freedom of being all that you are with others. Make a list of the people I've harmed and how. How do you do this? The golden rule is a great start. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Think, think from their point of view. If you were the one who, who was offended, how would you want someone to make amends to you? Consider the other's point of view or their point of view. Do it at the right time. Do it at the right time. Be sensitive, not just in passing, not just in public. You know, you're in the lunch line. You're putting up your tray. Hey, I, I've just discovered I've got a lot of problems with resentment. I need to talk to you. Great. That's helpful. Uh, not at the family reunion when everyone else is around. How would you like someone to approach you? Be sensitive. Make it a time where, where it's at their convenience. Not just in passing and, and not in public. Do it with the right attitude, right attitude with humility. Not, not forgetting the apology and all the uh, justifications or the over-presentation of what has happened in order to, to win sympathy. Just be honest. It might be good to walk through this with an accountability partner ahead of time. Let them hear your apology as that one who might be hearing it soon in real life. Do it with the right attitude. Do it without expectations. It's so easy for us to re rehearse it in my mind. I'm going to say this, and then they're going to break down in tears, and, and we're going to hug each other, and everything's going to be perfect afterwards, and they just stare back at you, wondering if you've lost your mind. That can happen. Sometimes people aren't as ready to deal with the things on their cart as you are to deal with the things on yours. That's why it's important to do this with respect, to do this with humility, but to do it in such a way that it does not undo the doing of it by what you expect of them in return. In fact, expect nothing from them in return. Do the right thing. And let it win for you the peace that Christ promises. Do it appropriately. There's a special phrase here in this step. That I will forgive and that I will make amends. Except when to do so would harm others. There, there really are ways, like we saw with the, with the bear earlier, where, where we can make a bigger mess going back. Where the bloopers can compound themselves. There's times where to make it more public or to revisit it is only going to hurt those other people. If you've got a past girlfriend or a past boyfriend that you feel like you need some amends to make, uh, that may be completely inappropriate now that they're remarried. If one of your amends is, uh, say, a, a past affair, 
justifying any contact with that person is probably not in wisdom. There are times when in making amends, we cannot approach the other person. Again, the empty chair, the undelivered letter, processing it with a friend who can keep a confidence are all ways to do, are all ways to do the hard work that you need to do without exposing others to undue harm. And if you walk through this, as you will in CR or in other environments like this, with, with, with a partner, they can hear it. And hear it in order to really release you. If you don't process it with a partner, there's forever this self-doubt on the inside that often lingers. Am I just, am I dodging this? Or am I really being properly protective of other people? Another person who hears that can give you some perspective. Do it appropriately. Make restitution if possible. Remember Zacchaeus? Ripped off all those people as a tax collector. He gets in touch with Jesus, and Jesus so affects his heart that he decides to give back four times as much as he's ever cheated anybody to anybody he's ever cheated. He made restitution. Jesus, I think, smiled. I think he did more than smiled. I think he laughed with delight and said, salvation, wholeness has come to this house today. There may be restitution, actions to make what right. If you've, if you've taken money, pay it back. If you've stolen from the business, return it. And in making restitution, this is not something that you do to become the slave of the other person. Zacchaeus didn't say, whatever those people have, uh, whoever I've cheated, let them ask of me whatever they will, and I will do it. He made restitution. But in doing so, he resolved it. There, there may be some situations where to make restitution is completely impossible. There's no way. You have a life debt to pay back to somebody else. There's no way you can repay it. There's no way that you can make it right. And when that's the case, you do yourself and that other great good when you say just that. This is beyond my repaying. I admit that, and I humbly ask your forgiveness. And then finally, focus on doing God's will in your relationships from that point forward. Keep the cart light. Deal with offenses quickly rather than letting them fester into resentments over time. How do you do that? How do you develop the Teflon coating to let go like that? I looked for a book this weekend. I think we still have it at home. It's one of the best books any adult or child could ever read, I believe. One of the most profound books I've ever read. It's called You Are Special by Max Lucado. And though it's a children's book, it has adult-sized healing in it. There's a little guy named Punchinello, and he lives in this fictional land of the Wemmicks. How many of you read this book? Anybody read this book? He lives in the fictional land of the Wemmicks. And in the Wemmick land, whenever you do something really bad, someone puts a black dot on you, and they stick. I don't know why I'm coming at Ralph when I do that. <laughs> They put, they, they put a black dot on you, and, and they stick. And, and whenever you do something really grand, you know, or you're really lovely or really well-received, they give you a gold star. And so in Wemmick land, there are those who walk with many gold stars and walk others that walk with many dark spots. But really, most people are a mixture somewhere or the other. And 
They don't often see all their spots. Some are on their back, and, and, and some are forgotten, but they seem to know they carry the weight of all these things that stick until someone shows up on the scene who is delightfully free of all this. She doesn't seem to care what other people think. And whenever they put a star or a a dark spot on her, they just fall off. Her name's Lucia. And she's free of all this stuff. She's just free to live. Free living, Lucia. And Punchinello, weighed down by all his back dots, finally meets Lucia and says, where did you come by this kind of freedom? And she takes him to the house of the carpenter who makes the Wemmicks in Wemmicks land. And it's a very fearful place for him at first as he walks through and things are much more majestic and bigger than he's ever seen. And he he cowers and he's hiding in Eli's workshop until Eli calls him out of his hiding and assures him of his love and tells him how much he values him. That who are the other Wemmicks to give him stars and, and dark spots? They're just other Wemmicks. I am the one who made you. I'm the one who truly values you. Don't listen to them. Come here day after day if you must. And listen to me. And Eli continues to talk to him until Punchinello starts to believe that maybe some of this wonderful stuff he's hearing might actually be true. And as he walks out of Eli's shop, looking back at Eli, unbeknownst to him, one of those black dots falls off. That's where the healing begins. And that's where the healing is sustained. In the presence of the one who loves us perfectly, relentlessly, unapologetically, with greater intensity than we've ever known forever. It will not run dry. That is his love for you. And empowered by that kind of forgiveness and that kind of love, you can forgive and you can make amends. In closing this morning, I'm I'm wearing a, a little rose. And many of you might have thought I was just wearing that for Mother's Day. I could honor my mom in many ways. One might be just this, but... This is actually a a gift that came to me when I was a senior in high school. I I received a, uh, I I was going off to college, and I I thought it was a pretty grown-up gift. You know, I'd never had a briefcase before. I'm going off to college now with my briefcase. That was one of my graduation gifts. One of nice leather, you know, it was was nice. And I opened it up, you know, the smell of that leather, you know, and I thought, man, this is really great. And then I noticed a packet of these little red roses in there. And I don't know if he intended to put those in there, but the gentleman who gave me this had quite a story. He told others that he thought of himself as the garbage man. First time he attended a Christian revival and a Christian event out on the East Coast, he he showed up uh, in his silk, shirt, you know, this is like, this is a few years ago, you may recognize the style. The, the silk shirt and all the, the gold chains, you know, he was all blinged out and, and buzzed. <laughs> and pretty well touched for the whole weekend. 
until he got into a sharing group where others were sharing what God had done for them and he started to realize that maybe he didn't have to be the garbage man anymore. Maybe all this stuff he was carrying, somebody really did love enough to take away. And at the end of that weekend, he started giving his life to the man who took all of our garbage. Who paid the price for it. And who says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. It was this man's testimony that most of his life he spent as a garbage man. And most every life he touched was left with the taint and the stench of the garbage he carried and tried so hard to hide. But since Christ has cleansed his heart, he became an avid, uh, incredible witness for the Lord, enthusiastic, winning others. It became his joy to testify to his Lord with most that he saw. He would carry these in his pocket. And as he would meet you, he would just shake your hand and put one of those on your lapel and hope you asked. And hope you asked about how he got free. He was once the garbage man. But now he's God's man. And that can make all the difference. Do you want to be God's girl? God's guy. He can set you free. He can give you the power to be one who leaves the sweet aroma of Christ. In whatever relationship you touch, are you ready for relationship repair? Take this repairman with you. He awaits you at this altar. If you would come to him, if you want to receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior this morning, know he awaits you with open arms. Or if this morning you know you've got some relationship repair to do, and it would be good for you just to spend a little time in Eli's shop. These altars are open for you as well. Whatever it takes, find your way to him. Peace and mercy await you. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your love for us. For how the healing begins as soon as we open ourselves to it. And to you. And we pray this morning, Father, that none of us would leave any of that healing behind that you have for us. Help us to unload that cart, to begin that process, and to let you continue it. We pray that our relationships will come to be marked by the lightness and the joy of a beautiful place where you live. We invite you into those relationships, those we have and those we need to make right. Lord God, we pray that you would be in the midst of it all with us. We acknowledge our help and our need for that. 
our uncertainty with every single step or way. We trust your presence, the loving partnership of others who walk with you to help us find our way to whole relationships again. We thank you that it's possible. Help us to choose our healing. In Jesus' name, let's stand and sing.